What's up, guys? Welcome back to the weekly scraps. All right, let's get right into it. Sean O'Malley, the champ, says he's never going to give me a rematch. And off the basis of he's not like popular. Um, you know, it, it's it's a very it's kind of a catch twenty two because I I'm not he didn't I, like I listened to the clip I, he didn't say it in like a malicious way or anything like that but it's just I just feel like whatever happened to sport man it's um you know I I got into this game for multiple reasons the main one was to become a UFC champion I was able to do that and of course to make money. Um, and I was able to do that as well. It, it, but it it never left me in the back of my mind that I wanted to fight the biggest and best names that I could and try to create a legacy to be remembered, cement my name in the history books for years and decades to come. Albeit, if you look at my my track record in the bandweight division, a lot of those guys I fought and have beaten were almost all ranked within the top 10, top five, and or even top 15. I, I just constantly, since my third UFC fight, I've been fighting ranked opponents. There were a couple of ones that went ranked when I lost twice in a row. Um... I fought Takino Mendes, who was unranked, and then I went to fight former champion Hennon Burrell literally right after that. And then I fought Mar Marlon Marais after that, who was also ranked in the top 10, I think seven or eight at the time, maybe nine, I don't know, something like that. Um, the point being is, like, I I've built my name off the toughest competitors out there, and I've been chasing a goal, chasing history, and something I'm going to forever be proud about Um now, I do look at the other side of things. I'm like, would I have slept better? Would I sleep better today if I were to have, quote unquote, sold my soul for a dollar kind of um, just doing like the, the real wacky wonky things where I'm trying to get more of clout and attention from the casual fan base as opposed to being dedicated to the sport and trying to do it the blue collar way. And it's kind of a catch 22 because it's one, one end you, you put yourself in a position where you could be like a Dylan Dennis or a Conor McGregor, um, or a Khabib in terms of like legacy or being the brash witty, funny guy, or being the guy who just talks a lot, but doesn't do a whole lot. Um, and it's kind of a happy medium trying to figure out where you want to sit in on that fence, you know? Because at the same time, you have to make money for yourself and your family because this window is short. You never know when you're going to be injured. So I, I don't necessarily fault Sean for saying that. But at the same time, it's kind of like it almost makes me regret. Like, here, so I don't want this to be taken out of context. I accepted the fight solely because... It was an opportunity to make a ton of money and to get a break and put both fights back to back and just 
chase history and do something that's one never been done in terms of champions turning around and fighting, making a ton of money in a short amount of time, and then three breaking an all time record, um, again, or should I say, setting the bar higher for an all time record of defenses in bantamweight history, and then cementing myself to be the next challenger at 145 for the belt against an all-time great in Alexander Volkanovsky. So these are the things I'm thinking when I make this decision. Of course, there was some pressure from some other ends, but most of the guys who paid attention, you guys understand that. But it makes me almost regret doing that and just saying, you know what, I'm going to take this fight when the time is right, when I give my brain the reset that it needs to enjoy the sport and to miss the sport again and to be in the right mindset going into the camp and not having to switch my mindset to tolerate a camp to get to the fight. Like, I was still motivated to win. I'm always motivated to win. But there's a little bit of a difference where you're like, like you kind of want to be there. Like, I, I want to be, I want the fight to just be over. And I think that caused my impatience to kind of try to rush to vacation. Like, either way, I got to the vacations, and hindsight's always twenty twenty. But when I see this type of behavior, it's just kind of like, I I jokingly say, like, what have I created? I, I feel like I let loose a monster. Um, and again, like, I acknowledge Sean had some injuries as well going into this fight. I think mine were pretty obvious, and I was pretty open about it. Um, it's not something you can ignore, especially after coming out of a five-round fight. Uh, and I even hate even talking about this. I, I was told that maybe I should respond to this to this take that never Aljo is not like popular. I mean, at the end of the day, if I'm not like super popular, it, it doesn't really affect me in the sense of like what I've done in the sport. It doesn't affect me in terms of my pockets. It could affect me in terms of making more money. Like if I was more popular, I could have more leverage to do other cool things. But I think my name and my resume speak for itself in the sense of um, being an athlete at the highest pinnacle of his sport, of his job. Um, so I, I wish nothing but success to, to O'Malley and what he's trying to accomplish. Um, if it's a popularity contest that he's after and he's not looking to fight the best and biggest challenges out there, I think that speaks more about his, um, his goals and why he's gotten into the sport. And I can't knock him. His goals are different than mine. His goals are different from Marab's. His goals are different from... Um, just all for the majority of us, because there's a lot of people who, in the division who speak not so highly of the guy in, in the sense of what he's kind of become, especially now after attaining the belt. Um, but again, I can't take nothing away from him in the sense of what he's trying to accomplish, what his mindset is. Uh, I wish him nothing but success. He's got a tough fight ahead of him. Although I still think Cheeto doesn't deserve the shot, it's still a tough fight. He's not the right guy to be in there, but I do think he has the skills and um, the will to win to upset and prove a lot of people wrong and to, to get an, another finish over a very popular guy in Sean O'Malley. <clears throat> and I know Sean trains hard. He works, he works hard. He's very diligent. He does a lot of things. So I want to make sure I'm disclosing that I know these things. I've been a fan of the guy from when he first came in. I thought he was super popular. Um, not popular, super talented. He got the um, Sugar Shane love from Snoop Dogg. Cool. 
Um, to each his own, man. If you like guys with tattoos and crazy shit all over their faces and that's the role model that you want, it's cool. It's, it's just not for me. But if you're going to talk about for me to watch him as an athlete, I'm going to watch him all day. But in sense of like what I'm trying to do for other things, I, I just wouldn't really align myself with that. And I know some people are going to say, oh, you're being a hater. I'm like, it's not being a hater. It's the facts of life. Like, I, I'm not, again, it goes back to what I said. I could have sold myself and my body and my brand and everything trying to be this character, trying to be a Kobe, trying to be a Dylan Dennis, trying to be a Connor um, or a knockoff Connor. Um, just trying to be something that, an Adrian Broner, just I'm just not. That's just not me. I like to just be myself. I like the cheesy dad jokes. I like to actually make occasionally good jokes here and there. I, I, sometimes I have some that that slap a little bit, and um, that's just my persona. Um, I like gold. I like some flashy stuff. You know, I'm never gonna be the one to go spend a ton of money on stuff to kind of look like I'm this person when I'm not. That's just that's just not my. It's just not who I am. You know, if it's gifted to me, I'll rock it. It's not a big deal. But, um, again, it's just, it, it, goals are just different. So, my rebuttal to that, it, it, I, I don't want it to come off as negative. It's I don't think he said it negatively. I just think he's lost in, in the sauce of, like, I'm just trying to get the biggest fights. Hey, you still got to win, right? You still got a tough division. And if you're going to stick stay away and steer clear of the stylistic matchups that are going to pose the most problems, then maybe Sean has a good chance of sitting on the throne for quite a bit. But if he's going to fight the next baddest man in the division, uh, I think that reign will be a little short-lived. And that's just from a competitor mindset and from a analyst mindset, just watching the other guys coming up watching what Sean's really good at, and then watch what some of these other guys are really good at. Um, you sit in the, the target zone long enough, eventually you're going to get hit. You know what I mean? So it's just one of those things. And uh, maybe Sean and I will never fight again at 135, but at 145, you just may never know. So we'll see. All things in due time. Um, again, I don't think there was any malicious intent. I think it's just more so I just wanted big fights. I think the rematch does huge numbers, in my personal opinion. The UFC staff even told me that. Um, but I, I know it's just not going to happen right now. And honestly, waking up at 173 pounds this morning was not very... Uh, and I'm, not even that, I'm not even big, guys. I'm not like fat or anything like that. My cheeks are nothing. I'm just, oh, I just have a tough time making the weight. Although I do make it, it's just never easy. Um, and I never felt like I was big enough for 145. But we'll see. I did some testing, as I spoke about earlier on my live. And all things point to I sh should be making a switch over. And if I do or have the success that I've had at 135, there's always a potential collision course between O'Malley and myself again at 145 and uh, I'd be very very I'd be very ecstatic to have that matchup again especially where I'm not rushed where I'm I'm monitoring my training because I'm training around injuries that literally just happened 
literally like from a fight that I just had with one of the greatest of all time and then trying to train around that so I don't get the proper train like it, it it it's annoying because when I talk about it, like the, the real fans they know they know what goes into it so I don't want to come off like making excuses because it, it that just annoys myself but I would like to fight him on even playing field kind of reminds me of the Ryan Garcia versus Devontae Davis is like a rehydration clause when I learned about that I was like it's kind of gay and and in a not like a homophobic way, it, it's just like it's weird. Like, if you're gonna fight the guy, don't put a stipulation on like, hey, you gotta fight me with one arm tied behind your back. Because um, if you tell a guy he can't rehydrate, then you're essentially handicapping him. That's just my two cents. Um, so yeah, I would like to fight him on equal playing field, and especially at a new weight class where I'm gonna, I should theoretically feel a lot better. I can actually go to my training sessions and eat before training and not do all my training sessions are fasted in the morning. Guys, I don't know how I've been able to do this for this long, but I think the mindset has allowed me to transcend what the body sometimes doesn't want to do and allows me to push through and I've been able to accomplish the things I've been able to do. So I am really intrigued and excited to see what the future looks like at 145. Um, changing gears. Uh, I'm looking forward to this fight with Jamal Hill, Alex Pajeda. I do wonder when that's going to be because right now we're sitting in November. Uh, Jamal Hill, I don't think he gets cleared for another couple of months. I think he gets cleared in January. Um, if you just look at the timeline from the injury and the surgery, recovery, January, that's usually about a year before you can start like really like gearing up for that type of load and remember his weight I'm not saying he's fat I'm saying his weight he's a bigger guy than me at 135 or 145 having to move that around when you're trying to do quick twitch uh, movements and things like that it's just going to be very intriguing to see how he recovers and bounces back I do think it's a very intriguing matchup because you have the the accuracy and the brute power of Alex Bahead and that left hook, that lefty Larry hook that he lands and the way he chambers his hips with it. And you saw him hitting pads where he's covering, coming back with the the uh, the four and the three. And he hits that all the time in all these fights when he gets in close. Jamal Hill, very cerebral, technician, good footwork, not like bouncing and all that, but good footwork in terms of foot placement, Knowing when to slide back, knowing when he's right in range, being able to pull out that jab, pull out the attacks, and being able to counter. He does a lot of things well. He has good eyes. And it, I, I'm interested to see how his stand-up will match up with a guy like Alex Pajeda. Personally, at that weight class, I think one of these guys is getting finished. That fight ain't going the distance. I just can't see that fight going the distance. Not with both of these guys, the way that they hit. Jamal Hill touches him. We all see sweet dreams. We all see Alex Pajeda. We touch him. Night-night. Poetan power. So, it's it's an intriguing matchup because of that. I do think a lot of people are overlooking Jamal Hill for whatever reason. If you look at his last fights, I know people probably look at his, his physique. Maybe they look at his style. But what else do you want from a guy who's putting people away? Does it not entertain? Do you just not believe that he's that guy? Um, 
I feel like a lot of people doubt him for whatever reason. And I, I admit, like, even when it comes to Alex Pajeda, I doubted him in the beginning because I was like, I feel like he's being rushed into this title shot opportunity because of his storyline with Izzy. And lo and behold, he goes out there and he shocks the world. Right? And that's the interesting th thing about that weight class and about fighting in general. It only takes one shot to change the course of an entire fight where you could be getting your ass whooped because force and the brain and where the fluid is, if you connect one time, it changes everything. Don't matter if the fight was close or not. Doesn't matter if you were edging it out. It just takes one the ultimate equalizer. And I think both these guys got that. Um, Jamal Hill doesn't really get hit all that all too much. Alex Pajero's a little bit hit more hittable. He has a sick calf kick where it, there's almost no tell. And it just looks like he's just such a dense Amazonian man from the favela jungle of Brazil somewhere. <laughs> that he touches guys and they just go night, night. But again, Jamal Hill is he just he's to me, he's that dude. Um, I'm a fan of both these guys. And I'm not sure which way this fight's gonna go. But if I if I had to lean with one just based on their styles, based on durability, based on who gets hit more at that weight class, faster hands, I do think Jamal Hill is going to be the one to connect first. But again, if Pajeda connects, we all know what he does to people, but he has to connect on a guy who doesn't get hit all too much. And then a guy who has typically faster hands than a lot of these other guys at 205. Just go back and watch the tape. Don't take my word for it. Go back and watch the tape and look at it with your own eyes. The Johnny Walker fight, the um, even the Paul Craig fight, obviously it hit the ground, and then that happened. Um, the Tiago, Tiago, I forget his name, the Hammer, Majeta, uh, Majeta, what? Damn, I forget. Santos, Tiago Santos. Go back and watch these fights, man. Um. And this will help you make a more educated pick. Like, I even picked Pajera against Jerry, more so because I just feel like it was the time for Pajera to have that Cinderella story. And I thought the injury of Jerry coming back and his style defensively will leave an opening for a guy like Pajera to connect. Jerry connected, but Pajera connected better. And that was the fight. Um, again, I think both these guys are fully capable of putting the other away. I just think the faster hands, the durability, um, the guy who has better footwork and who's harder to hit is Jamal Hill. And with that being said, I, I got to lean towards him. If they do end up sharing the octagon sometime next year, I would imagine that fight might be like in May or April. That's a long time. But each fight, Alex Pajeda has been getting better. If you watch him on the past before he fought Izzy, like I was watching some clips of him and I was not impressed. I was like, this guy just looks like he hits hard, but it wasn't like the most finesse on the pads. And then the next fight, he comes back, he looks even better. I'm just like, oh, this guy is clean. And then he comes back again for this one, and I'm watching him hit pads, watching his sparring session clips. I'm like, it's either I was blinded by the short amount of fights that he had but I really don't think, I think I try to be as honest and as unbiased as I possibly can be. Um, I just feel like he just, you could see the growth in that time period. And that's very, very impressive. Now, 
switching gears again. If I'm Pajeda, I'm sticking with calling out Izzy because that is a fight I would want back at the weight class that Izzy has lost at, at a weight class where I'm not cutting as much weight, and I think I have way more pop in my punches, doing it a healthier way, cutting down, where Izzy's going to be undersized like he was when he fought Blahovich. That's the fight I'm gunning for if I'm him. I'm just saying, if I'm Alex Pajeda, this is what I'm thinking. That's the matchup I want to have. And it's the storylines, the fourth MMA fight that they would have. Is it the fourth? He won. No, second fight. So this will be the third fight in MMA. Because um, Pajeda came and won. Then Izzy came back and knocked him out. Um, so this will be their third MMA fight. I think the storyline is incredible. It, 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 there's, there's nothing like it right now. Um, other than maybe the Cheetos... O'Malley fight, but I don't even think that's like this. This one's different. This one's like deep-rooted from way back when Alex Pajeda's kids gets involved. Now Izzy does something back to his kids. It's just like, it, it, it's just a crazy storyline. But I think that's a tough fight for Izzy. And if I'm Izzy, I'm chilling out on the sidelines. I'm like, nah, bro, I'm going to just chill here. I sleep comfortable at night, like he had said. And I'm going to ignore this call out and just keep doing me. And laugh to the bank with my W. Because ego, when it comes to fighting, can easily get in the way. And Izzy could be enticed to come back. And it could be too much. And it could be a trap. And let me not say a trap, because it's a fight. We ain't setting booby traps, right? We're not in that house, a haunted house, and there's booby traps everywhere. It's, it's It could be... A, a pitfall for him, especially after needing a break for being so active as he's been. I think Izzy deserves it. He needs the time off to recover. I feel reinvigorated after taking the time off that I have traveling the world. I think I hit seven different countries in like eight or nine weeks. It's been the best time of my life going from Sydney, Australia to Bali, Indonesia, um, going to Wales, even though it's dark and gloomy, <laughs> then going to uh, to London, um, hanging out there, going to watch a football game out there, going back to the States, then going to Amsterdam, hanging out there for a bit to go finish up the tastings for the rum, coming back to the States, um, and then going to Abu Dhabi for the grappling matches and for the fights, coming back to the States, and then getting ready for Cancun for being one of the best men in a, in one of my best friend's wedding, and then coming back here, and I just felt like, I just felt, I just felt lighter. I feel happier. Even people at the gym are saying, like, I've never seen you this glowing in the gym, even coming off of wins. I'm just like, yeah, because I finally got a break where I, I could just say F you to the world, to my bosses, and I could just chill and not have to think about someone trying to fight me or being like, oh, I could hang out, but I got to start training again, so I, I got to be mindful of what I'm doing. Now, I, I just, I haven't done hookah in so long. I've been doing hookah, a shit ton of hookah, um, for like what I was doing before, to now, it, it, that would be considered a lot for me. And it was only like four, maybe five times. With that being said, now I've cut that back out because I'm getting back into the to grind mode. And uh, yeah, it's, like I said, I think Izzy deserves the time off. I hope he's enjoying it. Um, he's one of the most successful guys out there. Coming into the octagon, especially coming from a kickboxing background, the least amount of one of the least amount of fights and being able to go on the run he's been able to go on is John Jones like. And then 
Alex Pajera being able to come over from kickboxing, being able to do the same thing. I'm just saying, I'm going to throw a little shade, though. I'm going to say these guys were smaller people. You ain't doing that at 135 and 145 because we got some dogs. We got some well-rounded dogs, and it's way harder to do that at the lighter weight classes than at the heavier weight classes. I'm just going to put that out there. But in this, in the sense, in this, the the good... Uh, the good, uh, what would you even call it? The good graces of the things that they've done at their weight classes and the time that they've been able to do it, it's been very, very impressive. So shout out to those guys. Um, again, I, I think if I'm Alex Perhead, I'm calling out Izzy. If I'm Izzy, I'm denying it. I'm saying absolutely not. Not right now. I'm chilling, and I'll be back when I feel like coming back. Um, other than that, guys, go to my website, aljermainsterling.com. Go check us out. I got some merch on there. Cop something. Support your boy. Um, and I don't honestly, I don't even touch the money that goes to the sales. I just leave it in there. I just like people being able to actually buy some some good stuff, cool stuff, and supporting whenever I go to these events. I see people wearing my shirt. It makes me feel happy because I'm like, damn. The fact that people would want to wear something from me, man, it's truly, truly humbling. And uh, I'll forever be grateful for it. This moment of my time. I actually just finished the David Beckham documentary and the last episode where he retires, man, it got me a little teary-eyed because it, it brought me back to when I finished my college wrestling career and I lost the last match. Man, I lost my junior year and I was like, I got one more season. I lost to a, a D1 transfer coming from, uh, who was from Centenary College. It was a D1 transfer Will something, and um, he beat me by a point. But when I believed that I could start, I could actually beat him. It was a little too late in the match, and I started pouring it on and putting the praise and getting hit, for, get him hit for stalling. And I'm like, this is why the mind is such a powerful tool. Then next season comes along, I come up short again, I lose in the first round, getting a little bit overconfident. The guy takes me down with literally 20 seconds on the clock. And I try to escape twice. I end up losing by a point. I get out and get a point. I'm behind the guy. The ref awards one and not two. I'm like, why do you even award any points? If I'm behind him and you're saying it's an escape, it should be two points. That's a reversal. Overtime. But it only gave me one. Lesson learned. Um, clearly, I didn't learn because I, I took that same toxic mindset into the fight with Marlon Marais where I was overconfident, cocky, and got laid out. Um, yes, so a couple of lessons. You know, sometimes you don't, you learn, but then sometimes history repeats itself. And then my senior year, like I said, that same tournament, I wrestled back the very first round. I wrestled a returning All-American, and um, it was one of us who were returning All-Americans had to lose which was one of the saddest things that we was both our senior years. It was a kid from Mount Union. I beat him, I think, by a couple points. I went two more matches. So I had to win three matches in order to become an All-American that year because I lost in the first round. Tough freaking break, but I made it to the next day. And then I lose one match. And then, like I said, I, I get to my last match for fifth and sixth. It's a D1 transfer, something Albright. A D1 transfer that, again, takes me down. I'm feeling like ah he's D1. It's gonna be tough. I'm cl I'm clamming up. Like I don't wanna I don't wanna give up too much points. I, you know I wanna. And that mindset caused that match for me to go down the hole early, and come back and lose I think six five, 
I lost the year before four three. I lost this one six five, and I cried. I ran off, the, shook the guy's hand, ran off the mat, found the corner, and I cried my eyes out because my season, man. Ah, my season. It wrestling. If anyone that knows me, and they know my story, they know my upbringing with my family, and wrestling saved my life, man. So. When when Beckham said he was gonna retire, man, that that touched home. That I, I felt that, and now I feel like I'm getting ever so closer to that moment at 34 years old. I'm like, how many more of these do I have, you know? And that was one of the things like that kind of hit me on vacation. I'm like, I I kind of got to get back and uh, do this the way that I want to go out, and I want to go out with memorable fights. If the Max Holloway fight is on the table, I want that fight. Over the Calvin Cater fight, if I'm going to go in, I want to go in guns blazing, gunning for the top, because that's what I do, man. I, I want the best. I want to beat the best. I want to prove that I am one of the best to ever bless the octagon. And that's the difference between me and a lot of other people. I, I'm not trying to say any more names. I just want to fight the best and biggest challenges out there and to prove to myself what I'm capable of doing if I put in the right work and I switch that mindset and I believe in myself, you know? So uh, we'll see what happens with that. Other than that, guys, uh, uh, that got heavy at the end. Uh, I didn't want to do that. I wasn't trying to get heavy at the end, so I'm sorry for that. Um, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, I'm going to be doing the Jackson Bear podcast over in Newport, California. So I look forward to that. I'll be heading out tomorrow for a two-day weekend, and I'll be back in Vegas for Formula One. Thank you, Esteban. It was cool to meet you. I look forward to the race. Can't wait to go over there. Should be hanging out at the Sports Illustrated and then the ESPN um, club. And then later that night, uh, we'll see where it will be. So thank you guys. Stay blessed. Stay safe. I'll see you guys soon. And I can't wait to get back in that octagon, baby. Let's go. Peace.